Beyond Goodbye is a podcast that explores death, dying, and coping with loss, and therefore contains material not suitable for all audiences. So listener discretion is advised. What is life like for those who have lost a loved one compared to what life was like before death? I know for me, before Jasmine and Matthew were murdered, we talked almost daily. We saw each other pretty much every weekend. We were always doing something together, even if it was just for a 10 minute visit. I might be in the area and just pop over and say hi. Um, Or they might call me and say, I'm outside your house, mom, I'm coming in. And they might stop over for a bit, take some food and, and leave like kids do, right? When my mom was dying, and after, after she passed away, Matthew, Jasmine, and Zach were constantly checking in on me. Matt would randomly stop over, unannounced, to give me a hug, ask if I needed anything. Jasmine, after my mom died, took me out to dinner and got me flowers. My children were a part of my daily life and choices. Today, just over two years later, I have relied on my son, Zach, my dad, and a couple good friends to fill that gap, but it's not the same. Zach has his own hole to fill. My dad has the added component of my mom missing from his life, and they had been together pretty much all of their lives. And life goes on for my friends. They have families and trials of their own, troubles of their own, if you will. So most days and weeks, I am alone with my thoughts and my well remains half full. In today's episode, I am bringing back my son, Zach, to talk about life before and after losing a third of our family. This is our fourth episode titled The Uncharted Path. Welcome back to Beyond Goodbye. This is Angela, your host, and Zach, my co-host. Say hi, Zach. Hello, everyone. (laughs) We wanted to touch on how different life becomes after losing someone very close to you, be it a spouse, a child, sibling, a good friend. And what I think about often is how do I live a productive, purpose-filled life after those who contributed to that life have died. What does that look like for me now? I shared earlier um, in the intro of this podcast what my life before Jasmine and Matthew died consisted of. So, Zach, I'm going to ask you to now share a little bit about what your life was like um, with Zach and and Matt and Jazz. I I call my kids all their names, by the way. Um, before they passed away? Uh, Life prior to them passing away for me, I mean, we really didn't go more than, you know, two, three, four days without talking to each other, whether it be text or phone call or seeing each other. Um, So, I mean, yeah, I guess life changed drastically. Um, You know, went from like kind of babysitting 
the kids, nieces and nephews every other weekend or so, uh, or not every other weekend. I'd see them like every other day. Um, and it'd be kind of like babysitting, like just for the day, kind of doing some activities, getting them out of the house, whatever. Um, and then when they passed, um, all the kids got split up. So now it's a lot harder with work and all that to just come by after and get all the kids together, go out for an activity. So it's kind of like now turned into like an every other weekend deal. Um, trying to get the kids together, um, some normalcy for them because that's how they grew up, obviously, was together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no, like, just popping over like we used to. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the big change. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's just so much that has changed, um, and it's still, like, an adjustment period, so I guess it's not really normal to me just yet. I wonder if it'll ever be actually normal. I mean, it's been two years, but it still doesn't feel normal to me either. I was uh, talking to my dad, your grandpa, who was invited to chat with us today, have a little round table talk about it, but he still is really not in a place that he can have a conversation about my mom. He gets very upset and just isn't ready to do that yet. And, um, so he declined. However, he did tell me that he lost his identity when mom died. They did everything together. They made both major and minor decisions together. Plus, I mean, they'd spent more than half their lives together. They've spent almost all their life together. Um, and he said he just doesn't really know how to live now. Like, what's his purpose? And do I even want a new purpose? Thank goodness you guys have the babies because I think he's found some purpose in that. He loves hanging out with Zach's uh, twin baby girls and being around there. And he likes being around the grandkids as well. But the babies, he's there at the beginning and he really likes that. Um, somebody else I talked to said the same thing about losing identity, but she also said that she gets really angry that life has gone on for everyone else. And her boyfriend, died a couple of years ago as well but they had been together since um, she's in her 30s and they'd been together since they were teenagers she said she feels like everyone is just kind of living their life and feels like that nobody cares or remembers that he died which we know they do but if it's not your spouse or your brother sister your child it's it's really not the same and life goes on very differently for them than it does for us. I know I've been really resistant to this new way of living, mainly because I didn't choose this. Um, I don't like it and I don't want it. And yet some very beautiful events have happened, like the babies we just talked about. Um, My brother and I have gotten closer. Our extended families have bonded in a way that I'm not sure would have happened if the kids were alive, which is sad. Um, So, I mean, I guess those things are good things, but have you noticed anything, Zach, like good or bad (laughs) changes? Good, Let's, let's talk good. We're trying to talk about how to live this life new. Um, yeah, I guess there, there's a, there's a sort of positive outlook that you can take from it, 
you know, before, you know, all those freak incidents and things you see on the news, you're like, that could never happen to me. Like, oh, that was so terrible, but it could never happen to me. And even if you see it happen on the news that day or the day prior or whatever it may be, it doesn't change your, you know, train of thought or how you compose yourself throughout life. Well, after experience like that happens, then you start your your thought process changes. Mm -hmm. You don't think the same in every situation. I mean, literally every situation um, it's just a different form of thinking. So there's that, that's... I like your priorities I, have changed. Right, your priorities, yeah, exactly. Things that were important before seem so shallow and stupid now. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, exactly. Um, because, you know, life is, life is just life. It's here and then it's gone. And, you know, you don't know what gone is until you're gone. So, um, Right. I, I think it's tough to think about for me to think about creating a new meaningful life like how does one do that <sighs> yeah that's tough i'm on the same i'm in the same boat honestly kind of thinking of it i mean it's right now it's kind of feels like just going through motions and yep. such yeah um so i don't know if that comes with time or practice or what but i still feel that you know. well as everyone um, who's listened to the podcast from the beginning, from episode one to now, knows that um, Dr. Mary Frances O'Connor is somebody I've talked about in episode one, um, and her book titled The Grieving Brain, The Surprising Science of How We Learn from Love and Loss. She says that restoring a meaningful life requires flexibility, moving our attention from things about the past to thinking about the present and the future. That it requires being able to move our thoughts from relationships that were to relationships that are and relationships that could be and back again. <laughs> she says that the time we spent with lost loved ones and the experience we had bonding with them resulted in neural connections and chemical consequences in our brains that will never allow us to forget them. So spending time thinking of someone you care for now does not mean forgetting someone you loved intensely and whom you will love forever. Accepting means we don't spend time in the past to the exclusion of our present. And that, a lot of what she writes really resonates with me, but that got me thinking, you know, am I excluding future relationships, friendships, experiences because I'm kind of still stuck with this, I might feel guilty about enjoying those because I'm in this space of the past and, and grieving. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, I mean, I've had that thought, but it doesn't really come off to me as the same way. It just comes off as everything's kind of numb. Mm. I don't, the whole new relationships and all that. I'm still kind of the same me. I mean, pretty open and outgoing. Um, I don't know, I guess. I really don't know how to traverse You don't find any guilt feelings about the new life with Alyssa and the new home? And, like, are you allowing yourself to be happy with that? And, and do you um, engage in that differently? I don't feel guilty for it. I do allow myself to be happy for it. But I do also think um, what could have been or why. I mean... You know, if this incident didn't happen, I probably wouldn't. 
be in the situation that I'm in, in the house, and, you know, maybe with kids. Right. Um, but it doesn't take the fact away that I do enjoy these things and I love and I cherish these things. Um, and I allow myself to feel those emotions, but I still, that thought in the back of my mind of, well, what if they were here? How would they act? Or, you know, all that, it's still in the back mm -hmm. of my mind, honestly, all the time. Dr. Connor also said that in order to restore a meaningful life, we have to be able to imagine that life. So we have to imagine the future enough to at least make plans, even if just for the next weekend. And this made me think of dad because, you know, when you're older, and he's 75 now, and you've spent, you know, he and my mom were married for 54 years and had been together before that everything they did was was together and so the weekends for him are the hardest they um he gets lonely <clears throat> and doesn't really make plans to do anything other couples and other people they have plans on the weekends that's, a, that's what they do you know dads are tired and so people work during the week and they go out on the weekends and i will tell you that um my mom and dad's weekends would put any 20 year old to shame you remember that yeah. they were always out, always at some party, some ball, some dinner, some yeah. event. And now all of that is gone. And so he needs to fill and make purposeful plans for his weekends. And he's struggling with that right now. Um, and I, I could, I can say that I sometimes struggle. Weekends aren't my tough part. It's the, it's kind of the evenings because that's, you know, when I would go pop over is when I'm leaving work. So those are tough. And I actually last a couple of weeks ago reached out. I don't know if I told you this. I reached, grabbed my phone to text Jasmine for like a second. And I thought, oh my gosh, it's been two years. How am I still doing this? You know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I need to stop telling people no, that I, w I don't want to do anything or I'll commit to something and then at the last minute I cancel it and I, I need to stop doing that because I do need to move forward in my own life just to even to honor their lives to be living fully. Right, yeah. I mean, I hardly believe that anyone, you know, any loved one who passes away wants you to halt your life um, because they passed away. They'd want the opposite. They'd want you to do better and... You know, which is hard. Obviously, you just lost yeah. someone you love and known and, you know, raised or been with, whatever it is. Um, so it's hard. But if they loved you, that's exactly what they would want. So mm -hmm. that's kind of, yeah, that's the, that's the tough, tough path. Well, I will close with this final um, statement out of Dr. O'Connor's book where she says, we can allow our interactions with our beloved ones who are gone to grow and change, even if only in our minds. This transformation of our relationship with them can affect our capacity to live fully in the present and to create aspirations for a meaningful future. It can also help us to feel more connected to them, to the best parts of them. It can allow us to become the best daughter, son, friend, spouse, or parent they would have wanted us to be if they had lived to see it. Our love for them is still there, but we must find a different way to express it, a different outlet for our love for them. 
Although they can no longer benefit from our kindness and care directly, their absence from our physical world does not make our relationship to them any less valuable. Again, something else that really hit me because how I am with my grandchildren are different, is different from how I was with them before. I'm very purposeful when I think about when I'm with them, how would Jasmine and Matt want this experience for them to go? And I do really try to embody them in being around my kids, grandkids. So that to me rings true that I can definitely live for my kids and honor them and have a purpose, purposeful, meaningful life after they've passed on by honoring that memory and how I respond to event situations and the kids. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I was a little bit different. So, you know, Jazz and Matt kind of relied on me for, you know, babysitting and helping all that. So I know they really valued and trusted my opinion when it came to those matters. Yeah. So I don't necessarily think of, um, how they would handle that situation. I know they would trust my judgment, but I am a lot more careful on elaborating it to the children. Um, Mainly, it's so tough to put into words for me, but um, like life is here and then it's gone. It's so quick. So you got to learn to cherish everything, which is hard to tell a 13-year-old to cherish the homework he's doing in school. (laughs) That's a little, that's a tough task. But... That's kind of the idea that I have now every in, in with everything that I do with them. It's like, man, you really gotta like this is could only be this one last time. Which without mm-hmm. telling them, which is the hard part. Without telling them, hey, blatantly, yeah, you could be dead tomorrow, which is the case with everybody. Yeah. But in a positive way, kinda of make it, you know, hey, enjoy this and cherish this and we might not come get ice cream tomorrow, you know, whatever it may be that we're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, folks, I hope that you found today's message inspiring and thought-provoking as you learn to live your fullest life after loss. I'm super excited to share that our next show um, next week will feature Dr. Mary Frances (laughs) O'Connor. And so uh, we will pick her brain for you on grief, grieving, and how what happens in our brains might help us to better navigate bereavement. Please be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast listening site, and we look forward to meeting again next week. Bye, all.